0: Matthew chapter 13, if you have your Bibles open to that, we've been going through the parables of Jesus, focusing mainly on the seven ones. This will be three and four, the third and fourth, where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, or synonymous term is the kingdom of God. And now think back to the psalm that we read, the start of the service, Psalm 72. When you read that, would you not just picture something that is big? It's huge. Where David describes all the kings, all the nations worshipping this one Messiah, this Christ, when he comes down to this earth. In first century Palestine, the setting of when Matthew 13 is being told about, that would be in their mind, and that's what we've been focusing on, trying to get in the shoes of those people that were listening to the stories that Jesus were told about. The select few, rather, where Jesus explained the story that he was talking about. Kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God. Even the religious leaders were asking Jesus, where is this kingdom of God that you are talking about? And he gives some interesting responses to them. Pretty much saying, it's not what you think. It's not what you will actually see. And we have this own mind. Our own mentality towards what the kingdom of God is. Because if you ask the average Joe out there, you do a survey. What to you is the kingdom of God? And I will straight away tell you, guarantee it, heaven. It's heaven. That's what we are looking for. It's actually what's described in the Old Testament. But they didn't understand that the kingdom of God is actually here on earth as well. Not in a physical presence rather in a spiritual presence. And what would have messed their minds even more is because the Messiah had come down to earth, the Son of God was actually in their presence. Why was this not happening? When was it going to happen? Hence, why the last question they asked when Jesus ascended up into heaven. Lord, When are you going to restore your kingdom? When is this kingdom of God going to become into reality? And his response was, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Remember they had listened to his explanation of what the mystery form of the kingdom of heaven is. And that's why without witnessing Without our sowing the seed, I think it's not dangerous, but not doing the gospel justice in just saying, hey, that hope is that one day we will fully experience the kingdom where there will be no more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain, no more death, no nothing, no evil, It would just be pure bliss. Waiting for that time is actually not how I think we should go about it. I think we should be expressing to that person that the kingdom of heaven is something that you actually can experience, that actually God wants you to experience that realm of the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. We can experience to some extent what the kingdom of heaven is all about here on earth. It's just the problem is we have other things distracting us from it. We still have this flesh which we have to battle against. Remember, we won't have that There is a beautiful term in the Bible called glorification. We will be glorified. In other words, we will be given a new body where we worship our Lord Jesus in heaven, but we don't have to put up with this sinful nature of ours anymore. We won't have to put up with that anymore. We won't have to battle against it. We will be glorified. that's what's going through the disciples' minds. And when we've gone through the the last two um, parables the first two that Jesus was talking about, the parable of the sower or the soils and and then and then explaining that there's actually going to be different responses to God's truth. And then even more than that, even more bewildering than that would is the fact of the tears where there's actually still going to be evil present in the mystery form of the kingdom. And then we come into a story where Jesus is pretty much saying this mystery form of the kingdom of heaven is it's not going to be all big. And and a ravishing to start off with. It's actually going to start very small. Very small. And it's the theme. From little things, big things grow. From little things. So I direct your attention to verse 31, where another parable he put forth unto them. And this is what it said. The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least or is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. There are some interesting words in here, interesting analogies that people have nitpicketed to the extreme. And first of all, it comes down to the mustard seed being the smallest. Of all seeds people have used this as a reason to show that Jesus did not know what he was talking about did you know that people have said you've got to be kidding me everyone knows even though I didn't realize this whole time I actually thought the mustard seed was the smallest all seeds but it actually isn't everyone would know if you're into what? That a, for instance, a wild orchid seed is smaller than a mustard seed. So if Jesus doesn't know his knowledge, who is the Son of God and would have infinite knowledge, if he's wrong about this, surely he has to be wrong about everything else. But if you look at the language of this whole verse, It says, yes, it is the smallest of all seeds, or the least of all seeds, in my version of the Bible, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among what? Herbs. Or, plainly put, in our everyday language, it's the least of all the garden vegetables, the garden crops that we eat. And if you put it in that, setting, in that particular area where we are talking about crops that we eat, and particularly putting it in the context of the Middle East, the mustard seed is, still is, and was, always will be, the smallest seed where it's one of the biggest things that grows. Average, from my research, I'm hearing eight foot on the smallest thing, but some reports where some are going up to 15 feet, 15 feet. And be careful also, it is, yes, the greatest It becomes huge. But that tree, looking at the Greek, does not necessarily mean an actual tree where you would define a tree in botany terms. You still have to say it is a shrub. It is a a bush. Um, But it is the biggest. And what the Lord is saying, I believe... The kingdom of heaven, to you guys, it's not what you think. It's going to start off small, but by the end of it, it is going to be huge. It is going to be huge. Therefore, I say, this parable needs to be a parable of encouragement of encouragement. Because regardless of how small we think, regardless of how mediocre or regardless of how ineffective we think our witness is, say, with God behind us. With God Working in and through us. We have no idea how big our effectiveness, our growth can be. I'm not just talking about our own growth, I'm talking about numerical growth. I'm talking about others. Talking about the whole. We talk about the kingdom of God, every single believer, it grows. And we get the whole story, don't we? Does anyone remember how many were in that upper room? What it started off with? 120 people. 120 people. That's all a church started off with. And we've come 2,000 years roughly later. And Wow. I just thought to myself later this week, I wonder actually, if anyone's recorded, how many people have actually lived. I don't know whether it would be even uh, able to be calculated because we don't have records from centuries ago. You you wonder what that figure would be. You wonder how many of those are up there in paradise waiting for the fullest... God to come to completion. The one where all nations will bow, as Psalm 72 mentioned. So it's the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it will flourish. It will be huge. It will be big, so much that this is interesting, the birds of the air come. See, I would have been fine if Jesus just stopped there. But he adds this part, so that the birds of the air come, and what do they do? They lodge in the branches thereof. People are wondering, what do these birds represent? And of course, we all disagree. No one... (laughs) Of course, you know there has to be disagreement. So what people have done is: have we heard birds before in a parable? Yes, the ones that come down and snatch the seed, they eat it. What do those birds refer to? The devil, demons, Satan. And so people have automatically thought they've done something dangerous. I think they've related an analogy from another story and applied it to a different story. That to me is dangerous because these are still parables. These are, these are illustrations. It does not mean if I use a symbol in one particular story, I'm not necessarily going to use it in another. So people have automatically assumed, oh, ah. so the kingdom of God is again going to be infiltrated with evil. And I don't don't think, I personally don't think the Lord is saying that here. Because he's addressed that in the tears, and he already knows, the disciples already know that at the end of the age, the evil will be consumed, burned, it'll be done with. And this lodging, this lodging is a very interesting word. Because it doesn't just mean, you know, we think of birds just sitting on a branch and then they fly off. That's not what this lodge word means. This is actually living there. It's, it's built. It's nest. So it, it's actually, hey, it's consuming what's there in the bush. It doesn't actually have to leave. So the two other interpretations are the birds talking about people who have come a part of the kingdom of God and they find security, they find providence, protection, it's all there in the kingdom of God and we could apply it to that. The other one is, hey, it could be believers or non-believers. And how they get that is if you remember, in I think it's by the, on the top of my head, 1 Corinthians 5, how Paul is addressing um, believers being married with unbelievers. And have you heard, heard, ever heard of an unbeliever being sanctified in the, the holiness of the believer? So uh, I talked this briefly last year, where. If you are married, if you are an unbeliever married to a believer, all right, you, in a way, actually um, have your spouse's blessings from the Lord poured out on you. You get some effects of that blessing from your believing spouse. And you could relate that really also to um, nations. You know, I think we, in a way, have blessing as a nation just because of our Christian heritage. So we're getting blessings, even though you wouldn't call Australia, let alone any Western country at the moment, a Christian nation. Yes, yeah, just because the majority of the people are Christian doesn't necessarily mean the whole nation is Christian. But we are founded. And in a way, I think we receive those blessings, the blessings we have now, from being associated with that. So the birds, regardless of who they are, they are seeking, or not seeking, they are receiving blessings from. The kingdom of God. Tell the truth. It doesn't really matter anyway. Other than, I think the birds have to represent, can't represent. To me, the birds do not represent any evil. That to me doesn't make sense. But, if we disagree, it's still. It's neither here nor there. It's, it's just a story. That's not the main theme of the parable. But the theme is hey, it's going to start small. that relates to our own life. You know, our faith starts small. It starts small. Personally, I'm talking about individually. But as it grows, not just our own self, but people around us grow. We can have that influence. We can have that effect. How? Well. I reckon that was a question that the disciples had. How? How can this be right? And so he he speaks to them another parable in verse 33. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took, and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Now, the Lord decided that Matthew, Mark, or Luke would not write down the explanation of these parables. No explanation is found in the Gospels. So being human, There's either two alternatives. I'm going to quickly look into the one that I think it is. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. Leaven or we call it yeast. my mother actually had to go old school last night. She had the kids and she didn't have anything in the house to feed them. And so she went back to flour, put in some yeast. What did the yeast do? It makes it grow. Just a little, but has so much power, has so much effect. And surprisingly, you because know, I haven't had to do that ever, actually. <laughs> um, she, she reports, do you get this? She reports that um, if, you, if you do that, then the yeast has this over, overpowering taste and, and all, you can is, 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 um, all you can taste is the yeast, apparently. But this, this time, it didn't, the kids liked it, in other words. That's what she was afraid of. The kids liked it. Oh, wow, this is beautiful bread. This is awesome. It's leaven. I repeat that again. What's the kingdom of God? Leaven. What's the kingdom of God? Leaven. It's leaven. Leaven. Okay? And what, what, what happened to leaven? A woman took. A woman took. And hidden three measures of meal to the whole was leaven. Okay? This to me speaks of the how can the kingdom of God go from something so small to something so big? Because it is powerful. It is a supernatural power that we have no control of. It's God that does everything. He's the one who reigns in this realm right now. We are just being used by him. So we are or well, the kingdom of God is leaven and with it was a being so small it can infiltrate, it can permeate, it can affect something so big. And when I say something so big, I ask myself why didn't he just say uh, put some put some leaven in, in dough? Why didn't he be specific? three measures of dough. And exactly what is three measures? Three measures is, let's just say, it's huge. Alright? It is, it will feed an army. And I think in a way, maybe that's why. Something so small can breathe so much power and, to, and, make, and, and, and infiltrate. To me, the dough is the world, obviously. Uh, three measures of meal, interesting enough, is what... Sarah made when the Lord and the two angels visited her and Abraham. It's, it's, it's mentioned other times with, with Gideon and with, with other three measures of meal being this, um, this portion that was maybe uh, the custom in the day. It was a staple of life, right? So, you know, why not make lots of it? I'm not going to get that deep morning you can do your own study if that if that interests you but the leaven here has to be good right? Wow! when we look at other passages regarding leaven <laughs> leaven always refers to evil do a search on leaven Jesus himself refers to leaven being the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, for instance. Leaven is referred to legalism in other ways, in other stages, in other passages. Evil, bad. And even more than that, people. And these are like, these are like well-respected commentators that I never knew, you know, people they came to this conclusion. They look at who is the character involved in this. Oh, it's a woman. Jesus used a woman in an illustration. And so they have referenced other scriptures where a woman is a symbol of something not good. So what are they doing? They're grabbing other symbols from other stories other analogies and they're putting into a different story that they think Jesus is referring to so the leaven the kingdom of god is there's going to be evil and it's going to infiltrate permeate through the whole kingdom where to the heart, that to me. But these are the two it's either this view, the view that Levin eight, the kingdom of God is powerful or that evil. Which one makes sense to you? God powerful God we know that we know that but actually do we act like it this is the application we are here just in a town called Harvey Bay we're a small congregation it would be tempted to think what can the Lord do with us exactly a lot That's the encouragement that you might need this morning. But that's what I wholeheartedly believe Jesus is saying. You guys are probably going to be, you know, you're going to start off with 12. You're going to be 12 men. You're going to be responsible for bringing the good news, spreading it to where you are now, you're going to go a little bit further, a little bit further out till you reach the outermost parts of the earth. It's just going to be you guys. And we can, we can be that. Oh, surely they would have thought, oh, how is this going to happen? Especially when, you know, Jesus ascended to heaven. And, oh, what, we're not to know the times? Oh, gosh. All right, we'll just... Tempting to think that way ourselves. Small church in Harvey Bay. What what good can God do with us? And the answer is, as Cecilia just said, a lot. A lot. All we have to do is just be willing to be used. Willing stewards of his Time of the talents that he's given us, the treasures that he's provided us with. Willing. And to do two simple things. And that's to trust and obey. Trust and obey. Let's pray. Lord God, we understand you fulfill your purposes through your creation. And we want to thank you so much that you have given us life. That you've given us hope. Lord, you've given us purpose. And Father, we continue to look up to you to help us just fulfill those purposes that you have for us, both individually and also collectively as a church. Lord, may your love be overwhelmingly present and demonstrated in our lives. And may you use this time To help us draw closer to you. To bring habits into our lives that reflect an obedience to your word and a trust in your kingdom. A trust in the promises that you have clearly laid out in your holy word thank you. Give you praise. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.